sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwoodell joined by Anshu Kana Anshu. Chris? How's it going? Pretty good. How's it going with you? Doing well. There was a there was sort of a question in that, Chris. <laughs> is, uh, I am Chris. Hello. Just making sure. Just want to make sure I'm, I'm talking to the right person and everything is the way it should be. Oh, you're talking to the right person, my friend. So look, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got week eight in the NFL. We've got the Major League Baseball World Series game six tonight. But what I want to start out with is something more near and dear to your heart, and that is your Wisconsin Badgers, my friend. Gigantic news in the college football world that Wisconsin's just really impressive freshman quarterback Graham Mertz tests positive today for a second time for coronavirus. Will now miss 21 days. Backup Scott Wolf? No, that can't be right. Chase Wolf. Chase Wolf. Not not party of five Scott Wolf. Although <laughs> prayers for Scott Wolf as well. Uh, Chase right. Wolf tested positive. I believe it's only one positive test for him right now. But you know, it looks like fourth string quarterback Danny Vandenboom's going to get the start this weekend. How excited are you about this? Not excited. Um, (laughs) Basically the polar opposite of how I felt Friday night, which was, you know, this guy looks like, I I mean, I was very excited. Best recruit Wisconsin's ever had, uh, you know, absolute star and, um, you know, showed every bit of that potential is Graham Mertz. And and then, you know, he obviously gets hurt and now, or gets COVID and now they're Mm. in this horrible spot. And, you know, the Badgers are always just good enough to be the bridesmaid, but never the bride as it relates to, you know, the, the college football playoff and really any reasonable level of success. And so I shouldn't say reasonable, but like that upper echelon. And so, you know, you feel like Mertz might be the guy to help them bang that door down. Um, but, you know, this it's tough. Uh, the 21-day period seems quite extreme but it is what it is and mm-hmm. um i will say though that based on some of the reporting i've seen it looks like his first positive test because of the friday night game the first positive test he had was on a saturday that saturday following so it looks like you know mm-hmm. compared to what other players in the big 10 might receive as far as suspensions he would only meet or not just suspensions yeah. but you know this time it looks like he'll only only miss two games potentially and then would be eligible to play that third game, which is against Michigan right. and looks like their hardest game on their schedule. So um, at least a regular season schedule. So I just, I don't know if a fourth string quarterback can hold down the fort against the likes of Nebraska and Purdue, but uh, they're, they're going to have to try. Well, I was looking at the lines over at Bavada Sportsbook this morning in terms of what's going on in the big 10 and Oh, Wisconsin's still number two at plus five fifty in front of Michigan at plus six hundred. How do you feel about this right now? Is this is this plus five fifty a little bit too high given the uncertainty? Because like you mentioned, is only going to miss two. Mertz only misses two games. He'll be back for that big game against Joe Milton and the Michigan Wolverines. But man, if if they drop one to Nebraska or Purdue, it's going to be tough to dig out of that hole. 
I, I think it is, um, but, you know, they'd have to lose one of those teams and then potentially lose a tiebreaker. The idea being that, you know, presumably they would win out in the division and then mm-hmm. ultimately win the division. And I think that that, you know, after seeing the way Minnesota looked last week and Iowa looked last week, I mean, and Nebraska, really, I think that they're in they're in okay shape. And then that plus 550 would reflect just beating Ohio State, which is obviously a very tricky right. proposition. <laughs> but um you know, I think that they've got as good a chance as anyone, including Michigan, of doing that. And, um, you know, and and just because I think they could win their division by virtue of just, like, attrition. So I think they've got a good chance at that still. Um, like, I, I think that even a fourth-string quarterback, <laughs> this is sad to say, but I think even a fourth-string quarterback probably gets favored over both those teams. Like, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at Bovada they've got the Badgers still favored if they've even got the line up currently. Um but, you know, winning one of those two games, I think, puts you in position still to win the uh, the Big Ten West as much of a consolation prize as that might seem right now. Yeah, I checked it before we started, and it looked like that game got pulled for you know very obvious reasons in terms of who the quarterback is going to be. But mm-hmm. I also did a little bit of digging about Danny Vandenboom because okay. this is a this is a look. He's got a what great a name. name. It's amazing. <laughs> He's it, I, and I I openly opine to Greg that I may just change my last name to just boom. I like that. It's a great name. But Danny Vandeboom, after learning more about him, the 6'5", 207-pound junior from Wisconsin, I'm expecting a Joe Burrow-like ascent up the NFL draft board. Wow. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. That's a a line. I did some digging. I did Mm. some digging. And it appears that Vandenboom has a legitimate case for, of the players who have actually played football games, being the most productive in college football right now. (laughs) Vandenboom played one game. It was in 2018 against the University of New Mexico. Big win for Mm. Wisconsin, as you would imagine, to get get DVB in the game. And uh, (laughs) I'm just proud that I got the initials out right. one for one, three yards, touchdown, rating 420, 422 or 455.2, and 100 quarterback rating. So, I look, this guy has literally never not thrown a touchdown pass when he's thrown a pass. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it right now. Number one pick in the draft, New York football Jets in April, Danny Vandenboom. Wow. Well, if Trevor Lawrence is to be believed, uh, you know, he may not be necessarily going to the NFL draft. So, that opens the door for DVB. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I don't know which of those two things is less likely that, that Vandenboom actually makes that kind of ascent uh, or that Trevor Lawrence actually stays in school for another year. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm guessing both are equally unlikely, but yes. Can I tell you, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, like I'm kind of high on the future of the Jets and I, it's a weird position to take, but I am. They have a ton of draft picks. They're, and, you know, all of this is predicated upon being able to select that that game-changing quarterback in Trevor Lawrence at number one. But you have guys who I like on that team right now in terms of young players. You're going to add a bunch of draft picks. And, you know, it's going to be up to Joe Douglas to make sure that those picks are used correctly. But you put some weapons around him. You build up that offensive line a little bit more, and they've already got Mekhi Becton there. That's a, a nice little head start. Sounds Kinda, like Quinn and Williams might be on the block, though. Well, Quinn and Williams isn't good. The thing about, but the the New York Jets thing reminds me back when Jacksonville was building, and they they went with Pacelli. They they got that franchise left tackle before they brought in their quarterback instead of finding that quarterback, letting him get beat up, and then trying to find somebody to protect him. 
I like this. I like building on the line. You know, I lo- <laughs> we talked about it last week. I love the idea of adding Daniel Fafale at, at right tackle. It's just that's that's fascinating to me. I want to add the six nine four hundred pounder uh, right next to the six eight three hundred and seventy pounder. <laughs> it's that's a and, and you you would not be able to stop that run game. It would just it would literally be impossible. And well, uh, I'm excited. if you have a thirty eight year old running out of the backfield, I think you have a decent chance. But other than that, I agree. I you you also know I'm irrationally high on the Michael Pirine. <laughs> I like this Jets team. I, I I am a closet Jets fan at this point. Oh, God. Now, part of that is that I want to see them lose out every single game this year. But uh, I, you know, I I like this team. I, I think that the future is very very bright in New York, and I think I think they also get it in terms of what I've been saying for a while now. Like, let's keep Adam Gase around. He is our golden ticket to make sure that we get the number one pick in the 2021 NFL draft. He stays. Yeah. We have that number one pick. Let's not fire him. Let's not screw this up. You know, Triple G, Greg Williams, he messed things up for the Browns a little bit by winning games when he took over a couple of years ago. We're not going to do that here. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good call. And obviously, it's all predicated on getting Lawrence. Like, I mean, if yes. you don't get Lawrence, then suddenly the future does not look quite as bright. But yeah, I... I can't find many faults in the many holes to poke in that argument. I mean, they're, if whoever gets Lawrence is going to be in prime position to be competitive immediately. And, you know, it's nice to have a guy like Becton. It's nice to have, you know, other some of the other pieces on their Den- team. Denzel team. Mims? Denzel Mims is, is, you know, he's active now, I think. <laughs> so that's, that's good. Um, that's fair. That's certainly uh, fair. Uh, I mean, there's not, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that their young core looks super talented to me, to be completely honest, but, you know, it's, it, you just drop, drop that one dude in and suddenly it's a completely different looking picture. Left tackle, star left tackle, star quarterback is a heck of a place to start a building start. a franchise. It's true. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Quinn and Williams is on the block. A lot of Jets are on the block. Brian Poole, uh, Jameson Crowder, both of the safeties. Quentin Williams just—he's not good. Like I don't—I do not understand what happened here because I thought Williams was one of the safest bets in that draft mm-hmm. to to be an a, at least above average NFL defensive tackle. And I know the the caveat here is he's very very young still. But like, what do you think hasn't clicked for Quentin Williams? I mean, it's a great question. I think that a lot of it has to do with the coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we talk about that with quarterbacks all the time, you know, get dropped into the right place, right system, right city. I think that Quinn and Williams is obviously a a reclamation project worth taking a flyer on for anybody that can get him for even a, you know, probably not a second, but a third at this point, maybe two thirds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got a guy that's a top three to five type pick who came into the league so young, as you said, and, you know, still kind of a ball of clay. And I just, you know, I I could, does it shock you that Greg Williams, you know, is not able to necessarily connect with every single player on a roster? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, um, you know, this is a guy that came from Nick Saban, so he shouldn't be unfamiliar with tough love, but... I think he's a long, obviously a long way from home. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I would be eager to see him on some other team because I would not give up on Quentin Williams by any means at this point. Yeah. Two and a half sacks in 13 games last year. He does have three sacks in seven games this year. That's, yeah, that's, per- that's perfectly fine. He's not going to turn 23 for another couple of months. There is, there is obviously still a lot of potential to be unearthed in Quentin Williams, but would yeah, you give up for him? 
Uh, with the Eagles, I would give up nothing for him because if you're okay, you're you're the worst <laughs> team to right. If you were the Packers, if you were some other team that maybe oh, putting him next to Kenny Clark is interesting, right? But okay, say another team like what? What do you think? What do you think Joe Douglas says yes to essentially? What's like the threshold? Uh, well, for the record, uh, six hours ago, Manish Mehta from uh, the, who covers the Jets says that the Jets are actively looking to trade Quinn Williams before the November 3rd deadline. An hour later, Rich Samini says the Jets are not shopping defensive tackle Quinn Williams, which tells me the Jets are definitely shopping Quinn oh, Williams. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Um, oh, man, that's hard. Because you're right, he is still so young. He's still tech—I guess he would have potentially three years left under contract if he pick up his options. Say, uh, was it a late second? Yeah, I'm right in that area. I think a late second and early third and then a pick next year that could move up. Uh, hmm. Maybe, yeah, I would settle for a third this year and a pick next year that could move up to a two if he hits every escalator. That's really which, creative. I like that. Which feels unlikely. So you're probably, probably mm-hmm. trading him for a couple of threes, but you're, you're also well, betting hard. on they're going to use him better than we did. I was going to say, it's hard to know what those escalators are. Like, you'd have to get pretty... It, you know, you'd have to say, I, I don't know, like something where if you're the Pro acquiring Bowl. Pro Bowl, okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair bar, I would say. Yeah. Pro Pro oh. Bowl gets you a two. I don't know. If, let's say, well, it's going to be a three anyway. So, yeah. All right, right. Sorry. So you go three and maybe a four that could go up to a two, depending on performance and start or snaps played and that sort sure. of thing. Yeah, no, that that's interesting. You know, maybe maybe five sacks moves it up to a three. Pro Bowl moves it up to a two, something like that. I mean, I do that all day if I'm the Packers, no doubt. And, you know, the, the one thing I will add, though, to what you were saying is, you know, you, you potentially have the have Quinn and Williams for three years. But, you know, as a – was he number two, right? The number two pick or number three? I mean, number he was – At least the third pick, yeah. So those, escal- those escalators are not cheap, basically, to keep him under control because of where he was drafted, you know? Like for I'm, an interior player. Yeah, I'm looking for his contract right now. It's – but also, you know, if if you're hitting if you're hitting these numbers and you're getting five sacks, or you're making the Pro Bowl, and this is a guy you want to keep on your roster. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Quinn and Williams realized what, any of this potential before, we wouldn't even be talking about this. That's why, like, the name being out there is so sort of stunning. And then you wonder too. Joe Douglas clearly did this with Jamal Adams last year. Does this set the table for an off-season trade? You know, because like, if you're the Jets, I mean. Isn't it more worthwhile to just see what you've got in Williams for the rest of the year, even if it's with a different, you know, I don't know, even if you're going to hire a different defensive coach, just see if you get more flashes out of him and then just see if you get what you want next year Mm -hmm. from a draft pick standpoint, then to do it now, you know, sort of off the cuff. I feel like that's, that's the better way to do it. Just, just put the name out there and then, you know, make your, your standards very lofty. And then in the off season, you know, you've, you've set the table for what his market is. It's entirely possible. I'm looking at his contract right now. The cap hit of 7.4 this year, 9 next year, 10.5 the year following. And then there's that fifth-year option, which I'm not going to lie to you. I don't entirely understand the the mechanics of the fifth-year option because I know it's, as of a couple of years ago, it's a sliding scale dependent upon success in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you hit, If you hit all of the markers, it's an average of the top 10 players at that position, I believe. But mm-hmm. for for those who don't, I believe it's like an average of the th- the fourth through thirtieth players at that position. Oh, really? I did it's not know it's that. something along those lines. Uh, you know, p- people smarter than me can look up 
look it up seems themselves. like he's definitely a lock to be in that latter portion if not worse yeah i think there's a legitimate chance that his fifth year option could potentially well i guess there has to be language in it that it's that it would be that it would be um that that average of four through 30 or uh the 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 fourth year number plus something whichever is higher because i doubt you can go down in that fifth year option right right that's true and then Uh, the other thought you know you have to have just taking a step back is like obviously you know we look at sacks per game whatever you know that's it's not a bad rate given his age but like there must be something going on if they're even willing to throw his name out there, right? Because because mm-hmm. he's young enough and he's still well within their window, assuming they add Lawrence or Fields or whoever to this mix. That you know, he, he like he's it, it's not like a an albatross type of player to to have. No. So he must there must be something pretty significantly wrong if they're banding his name out there. Yeah, agreed. Something has to. Well, didn't he have some issues? Hasn't he gotten in trouble off the field for something? I think he did. No. I don't. If it I, was, it was like very minor. I, I believe it was pretty minor, but because that's usually uh, you know that's usually something that will preclude you from getting drafted that high. Quinnen Williams of the Jets is arrested on weapons charges at Laguardia. <laughs> okay, that's not great. I don't know I what end, I don't know what happened with this, but that was in March 6, twenty twenty. He was arrested at Laguardia. Mm, so that's like that. that's not great that does that does suggest there's probably some other things because the, the general rule is if we hear about something there's probably a lot more going on that we're not hearing about very true the old um, smoke and fire yeah. yeah so if you let's say you add a three for him in that 2021 draft i think you could probably add a two for darnold is my guess. oh man there you go now you're talking that's like, a belichick street for sure Oh, hundred percent, and he's going to be like you know. I buy Sam Darnold's stock for the future. I'm I'm buying and mm-hmm. holding that stock. This guy, this especially is especially with Cam. You you absolutely nailed that, by the way, last week and and for a while, but really last week in the in light of the fact that Cam has been playing pretty well, and then you know you said that, and I was like, ah, there's just no way they're not you know going long term with Cam, and sure mm-hmm. enough, he looked absolutely horrible last week. Well, I always, you know, I always thought Cam was a, a an acquisition of opportunity. Basically, they the, they saw this as this they could bring in a guy who has formerly won the MVP. If he sucks, they can cut him for basically nothing, and if he plays well, they basically get to acquire a third round pick for the value of his his one year contract via the comp system. I never Maybe. thought I never thought they were going to spend. Like, I never thought the New, the New England Patriots were going to be spending twenty five million dollars a year on Cam Newton. No, I mean very much fair. Uh, I don't know that anyone would, even if he is to turn his season around and you know they're going to make the playoffs, which doesn't look like a very likely proposition where we're mm-hmm. sitting right now. But yeah, I mean that's a really good call though. It's so easy to get caught up in the moment, especially in the NFL. But like, man, I. Uh, it's just looking absolutely on point right now. And, you know, the only hesitation I would say is like, will the Jets be willing to deal Darnold in division, mm-hmm. you know, and especially to that team with that coach? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if one element of that is that the Jets don't think they're ready to compete right now. And you, yeah, you're, you're less inclined to worry year. about it. Yeah. 
I guess. And, and, you know, it's more like an optics thing. If you if you trade Darnold and he turns into a playoff quarterback for the the Patriots or better, then now you, you know, you have to live with that with the Jets and the New York media, and that doesn't seem like a super fun idea. But, I mean, it wouldn't – it wouldn't – I've never really understood that aspect of it, like, in terms of – like, it wouldn't stop me as a decision maker. But right. I also get that that's something that, like – you know, that ownership, especially an ownership as meddling as New York's with the Jets is where they would they would say you have to take that into account. Yeah, you know, the, the Saints are another really interesting team as a potential landing spot for Darnold. But the I think the number two option Steelers. Steelers Steelers are interesting. But I think the number two option and maybe honestly the best overall fit is replacing Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. Yeah, I agree. That's a name. That's that's definitely one I've thought of. I I do think that they are this offseason they will pick up a young quarterback, whether it's, you know, what they were rumored to be yeah. after in Jordan Love or like if it's someone else that's already been around the block a little bit. Um I, I just there's no way they roll into next year with Rivers and Brissett. Like just absolutely none. No, it feels to me that that Haskins is going to be the next uh, the next guy under Roethlisberger Ooh. in Pittsburgh. Interesting, very interesting. I just that just makes sense to me for whatever reason. But uh, <laughs> real quick, I want to I want to wrap up this Jets thing real quick in terms of who they have to trade since we are one week exactly away from the trade deadline. So, do you think Darnold is an off season trade? Agreed. Yes. Okay, so of the guys they can potentially trade this year, and what do we think the value is for Darnold? Do you think it's similar to Williams? Do you think they get a two? Man, it really depends on the market. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's only one team, then it's a three, but I think that... I think that a three plus, maybe like two threes. I don't see a team giving up a two for him, though. Okay, three is fine. Let's call it a three. Of the other guys that they have to trade... Uh, Jameson Crowder, who, by the way, if I was the Cleveland Browns, oh, my man. first my first call would have been to the Jets to see what they wanted for Jameson Crowder. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think the value is for Crowder, who is very available? I think it's a three. Uh, just do you think it's that it, high? I mean, just looking at what Sanu got last year, and although he had an extra year uh, on his deal, but um, like, and he was younger. I think, Right. What did Emmanuel Sanders get for them? Was that a three or a four? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to look that up while you're talking. Packers were into Robbie Anderson for a four. It sounds like that was that was too light for them, and so they'd rather just hold on to the player and like wait to see what their comp is for him, which also makes sense, you know, because like Crowder's going to get another deal next year for sure. It's not going to be a Taylor Gabriel situation. So I think that that's something you have to factor and so you know if you know you're getting a four in the comp formula probably mm. then i don't know i mean i i have a tough time imagining they're going to get better than that for crowder okay so we're saying a four for crowder i think so yeah the 49ers sent a third and fourth round pick to the broncos for sanders and a fifth round pick so yeah and sanders is clearly better i think or i you know, i disagree with that i think jameson crowder might be one of the more underrated players in football right now. I, I agree. I he's agree with that. insanely productive. Yeah, he's a good little player for sure. And I think that the one really good thing about him, which I guess is the case with Sanders too, but really with him is, you know, he's played in so many different weird offenses. And yeah. so like, you know, when you think about training for a receiver, it's so hard to imagine like, oh, he's got to fit the scheme. He's got to figure out plays and blah, blah, blah. This dude's played on a lot of different teams, um, mm-hmm. and you know 
he just has like a nose for getting open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that that's just like a sort of a narrative thing, but it's just the truth. Like look at his targets. He's always a guy that it doesn't matter which quarterbacks in the game. They're finding him the ball because he's, you know, he's just getting himself into easy spots. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a very useful, especially for a guy like Mayfield. I agree. All right. Super quick. Uh, anyone of Avery Williamson, Bradley McDougald or Marcus may traded. And what is the value? Ooh, well, it sounds like Williamson's more than on the block. Um, yeah. I mean, Marcus May is, is the most interesting to me, but I, he was he the same draft as Quinton Williams? Was he their second rounder that year, two years no, ago? No, they took, it was the it was the Jamal Adams trade. They went safety, the draft, they went safety, safety. Oh, okay, okay. Ooh, interesting. I mean, May makes a ton of sense to get traded to then, but, uh, you know, again, you got to like factor the comp pick formula in because he would be a free agent right after this year. I don't have that in front of me, but what do we what do we think? Yeah. Four, five? Probably a probably a five, I would think. Okay. All right. So assuming that all of those trades were made, we were trade <laughs> we're trading and by the way, entirely possible and I would say likely that at least at least two of them are made. Well, that, let's just real quick before you get past that point. I think that the trade deadline this year is gonna be super interesting because um, you know, because of the restrictions around COVID Meaning, you know, when you acquire a player, whether it be through waivers or trade, they have to sit for, what is it, a week? Five uh, days at least? Five, six days, five days, yeah. Like with Bell. I mean, I think that that's something to, to factor in here. I don't know. if I think that'll mean there are, there are fewer deals this year. Okay. Well, in this hypothetical world where the Jets are these sellers, they go into the 2021 draft with two first-round picks, uh, a second-round pick, three <laughs> third, th- four third-round picks, uh, oh my god! A two fourth round picks, two fifth round picks, and then they don't pick again until the seventh round. So that'll be rough on them. Great. That is a that's a lot of young talent to bring into a new team. And you know, we've talked about who should take over. You know, it it does seem like uh, like Lincoln Riley makes a lot of sense there. Oh man, Riley and Lawrence. That is a scary proposition. I think that could work out for the Jets. Uh, World Series Game <laughs> Six tonight on Chukana. Tampa Bay Rays, Los Angeles Dodgers kicking off at a 508 here in Pacific time. Bavada has the Rays plus 110, the Dodgers minus 130 on the money line to win. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen here? What do you think of the series so far? And uh, where are you putting your money? It's been an amazing series, I think. Like, I know that there haven't been a lot of eyes on it, unfortunately, because of football being like every single day of the mm-hmm. week. But Man, this if you missed Saturday, like that was one of the best games in the history of the World Series, I think. Mm-hmm. And that play specifically where Randy Rosarina finds his way to the plate is just an all time moment and a signature call by Joe Buck. I, I just that was so cool and uh yeah, I like was with a bunch of buddies and it you know, it's hard to he- you know, it's rare that you'll hear like that audible sort of roar especially in a game when you've got like very little at stake as far as like rooting interest but um you know it was it was just awesome and so i i do think that people should watch this if they can if they hear this before <laughs> or if it gets to game seven watch it but um you know i i, I like the raise here because I, I just really don't see an underdog versus a favorite in this series like in terms of on a game-by-game basis i mean obviously at this point the dodgers are up three two they're the better team on paper all across the board and so you know it's hard obviously for those reasons to pick against them but because baseball is so random and because 
both these teams do such a good job of cutting off any sort of like randomness as best as they can with like their strategy and their shifting and, and their lineup construction. I mean, I just think that the difference between them is so razor thin that I'll take the the dog every time in, in a one game scenario. Um, and so I, I would take the Rays here. And I also think that because Tony Gonsolin is the one on the mound for the Ra- for the Dodgers, the Rays have the opportunity to sort of to at least score some runs early, which is so hard to do against guys like Kershaw and Walker Bueller, amongst mm. others. Here's where I stand. This is difficult for me. Obviously, I love I love the underdog here. I, I'm a big Rays fan in this series, mm-hmm. but I hate Blake Snell. I just hate Blake <laughs> Snell from the ridiculous comments that he made about you know the 9.5 million dollar salary not being worth the risk. Blah blah blah. Mm. Uh, I just it's difficult for me. So <laughs> I, I would love for the Rays to win, but for Snell to give up like eight runs in the first inning, eight, eight runs and one out, and then the Rays that would to, be an epic game. Yeah, the, the Rays <laughs> to come back win, and maybe even in similar fashion to Game Four. Yeah, that would be so cool. I I mean. I would love to see it. I want I want to see a Game 7. I think this series deserves that, even though I do think the Dodgers are, again, clearly the better team on paper. But the, the edges are so, so short that it's really hard to not take anyone but the Rays and, like, with any, because you're giving the odds back on Bovada. So, right. um, yeah, I, I like them. So before we get to the National Football League, I want to talk to you about a little a little something something that Greg and I dug into earlier. As we've as we've seen the and we we talked about that on You're Wrong and Here's Why, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, and as well as the underdogpodcast.com. Um so we we were talking about how the NBA season looks to start on December twenty second, what that means in terms of only having about two months. You know, basically two months and a week from when the the last NBA Finals game was played, and the which fact- by the way, great call by you. You said all along that Christmas Day should be the opener, even when there was a a cacophony of uh, of opposition. You were all you were steadfast in your uh, Christmas Day opening day. So please go ahead. Thank you. But now if the NBA would just not screw things up and actually have Christmas Day as the opening day rather than December 22nd. But I understand there's financial reasons behind it and in the tune of an extra $500 million that they'd make by starting in December rather than January, which they need after, I believe they came in $1.5 billion under or something like that, wow. uh, their projected yeah. revenue from last year. Regardless, you know, one of the other big reasons that they would start early is so that they can get the series, uh, they can get everything done in time for the 2021 Olympics next summer. Yeah, this is really interesting because this Olympic team is, is, (laughs) it could be a mess to put it, to put it very succinctly. The, we're going to be coming off of two months, basically a two month of the off season. Then we're going to play an entire season. Then we're going to be asking these guys to jump right into the Olympics and have another basically non-summer before the 2021-2022 NBA season. So Greg and I decided that for our 2021 Olympic team, and by the way, we're going to, we did this so the NBA doesn't have to worry about constructing a team on their own. We're just, we we Mm. took care of it. Or FIBA. Yeah. Or FIBA. Sure. The, the damn basketball, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The damn Colangelos, but mm-hmm. um, it, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if Colangelo is still in charge of that or not. But I think he is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we decided that we were going to come up with a 2020, 20 or 2021 Olympic roster comprised only of the bottom ten teams in the NBA, the teams that did not make the playoffs, because <laughs> oh we we God. we didn't think it was necessarily fair to ask those playoff teams uh, guys to basically give up their entire summer again, and not have any rest. 
Here's the roster. First of all, you'll be happy to know that a Chicago Bull did make the roster. Wow. I, I apologize. Yeah. Two, two Chicago Bulls made the roster. Oh, wow. Okay. Chi-town representing. Uh, quick guess at who those two are. Oh, Levine and Carter. Levine and Carter are the two. So okay. we have we have basically six guards, uh, three forwards, and... By the way, Markkanen would probably play on that team as well, but just for a different country. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. And Otto Porter was on our invite list, but oh, unfortunately did not. Actually, Kobe White was also on our invite list. Yeah. Gre- Greg was spoke very highly of Kobe White, regardless. <laughs> I'm sure you pushed back on that. Yeah, no, that guy's that guy's thing. Thirteen point two points as a rookie. He's a good player. Suck it up. You have a really good. You have a good player at guard. I'm sorry. You have to deal with that. Um, okay, our guards: John Wall, Bradley Beal, Demar Derozan, De'Aaron Fox, D'Angelo Russell, and Zach Levine. Our forwards: Blake Griffin, Harrison Barnes, and Aaron Gordon. And our big guys: Wendell Carter Jr., Kevin Love, and Carl Anthony Towns. We're not a not a thousand percent sure whether or not he's eligible to play for the U.S. I know he played for the Dominican Republic, but I was in the—I believe it was in the under 16s hmm. I don't—I I, there's a question mark about his eligibility to play for the United States. I'm not a hundred percent on that. And he's honestly the the centerpiece of this team, so that's pretty important. Um, wait, wait, bottom ten teams? Do we? You don't get the Warriors? Bottom ten teams? We use the uh, we use the odds at Bavada for the NBA championship next season. Got it. Okay. So yes, Steph and Clay would help, but <laughs> <laughs> I think their entire roster would probably be a better ch- have a better chance of that group. But fair. so the question that that we ended up with here is this worse than the 2004 bronze medal team? <laughs> oh, that's a terrible team. Which I, I mean, but that terrible time. team had had Iverson, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Lamar Odom, Sean Marion, Tim Duncan. Uh, Mecca LeBron before like LeBron 18. was not LeBron was 19, 18. but, but he had just scored 20 points a game in his rookie season in the NBA. So let's not talk mm-hmm. about it. Like LeBron came in as a 19 year old and scored like eight points a game. He was, mm-hmm. he already should have been an all-star. I feel like if you even stretch this to, obviously that team is way better than this one, but if yeah. you, if you stretch this to like 11 or 12 teams, it'd be very interesting. And that's without looking at who, who those teams are, but it like at first blush, I would think the Suns are. I know they had a massive, you know. Winter you would be elite. surprised to learn. No, they. I believe it was the the Pacers and the Hawks were the next two. Oh, Hawks is obviously nice for yeah. a couple of big time reasons. Yeah, we're we're excited to add Trey Young to the roster and I, John Collins as well. Pacers, That's really it though. There's I don't no. Know. I don't know if the Pacers. Yeah. No, not Miles like Turner. Maybe. Right Miles Turner might be useful as a big guy, but instead of Wendell Carter Jr. Well, who's but the guy that just went off? And... Because of John Collins? Yeah, that's probably true, too. Yeah. 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 So adding Trey Young would be great, but they already, at least they do have Bradley Beal, De'Aaron Fox, and guys like that at guard. Mm. Levine actually would have a chance to be pretty useful on that team, too, but... Yeah, I was thinking about like if you could add like Booker and Trey Young, you could if you could do like an under twenty three team or something, even that'd be mm-hmm. more promising. But yeah, that's I mean you're assuming John Wall is anything, and I don't know. There's there's a lot of ifs on that in that group. Yeah, the the two thousand four team significantly better than this team. Yeah, and this yeah. this team might not medal. <laughs> I yeah. Given the state of the the world's basketball players, I would say that it would be an uphill climb. 
All right, Anshikana, we have about 10 minutes left, so we're going to go rapid fire through week eight in the National Football League. And we've tried this We've tried this before, so we actually do need to kind of go rapid fire. 30 seconds of response tops. Starting off Thursday night, the Atlanta Falcons versus the Carolina Panthers. Bavada has the Panthers minus three at home. Man, they, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, is he going to play? It looks like he will, Red jersey right? today in practice, I believe. Red jersey, but activated off of IR, so yeah. it's it's going to be really, truly 50-50. I'm not sure he'll play a ton. If he does, the Falcons have looked a little bit better the last two weeks, but, you know, I, I, like, I like the Panthers. They've still got a lot to play for, so give me Carolina. The Los Angeles Rams, fresh off a butt-whooping of the then-best team in the NFC, Chicago Bears, <laughs> head to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. Hey, they were the one seed going into the playoffs before yesterday's game. Bavada has the Dolphins plus four and a half at home. I absolutely love this line this week, and it's not the way you probably think. I'm all over Tua and the Dolphins as home dogs in this game. I think that that line is is wild, and I do expect the Rams to have a little bit of a letdown a short week. Um, I just think the Dolphins are a really tough team right now, and I, I think that they're going to play very well in this game. The Indianapolis Colts head to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Bavada has the Lions plus three at home. Good Lord, what to make of these Lions. Um, I mean, great comeback to win mm-hmm. that game. Uh, but, you know, I man, this is a really interesting one. I expect the, the Colts to be a lot healthier. Um, but I do, I think the Lions as three-point dogs at home seems like a little bit too much. So I'll take Detroit here. The Las Vegas Raiders head to Cleveland to take on the Cleveland Browns. Oh Bavada has the Browns minus two and a half at home. Ah, uh, the OBJ effect. Minus two and a half. I, I mean, the Raiders, again, looked pretty good last week, even in a losing effort. I think that mm-hmm. they're, they're a team, certainly, that's, that surprised me, that's probably surprised most betters and just NFL viewers. And so um, I think they've got a good shot here, but I... I Man, I, I I know we're supposed to go short. I'd love to hear your opinion on what the Browns looked like after Beckham exited. They looked way sharper. It was almost like the, you know, like the the traffic jam got removed and suddenly everything was flowing free down the down the highway. So there's been this notion basically since he's been a Cleveland Brown that the offense is better without Odell Beckham because they tend to force feed the ball a little bit and they maybe Baker's not making some of the other reads as he stares down Odell. The I have I have a hard time buying into that in a vacuum, but there is so much evidence that suggests this offense is better without Odell, and that specifically Baker Mayfield is significantly better without Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. That you know it's hard to say your offense is ever better without a superstar, but at the same time Odell's never been a superstar for Cleveland. Right. I I mean. Hard to disagree. I think Beckham is still, of course, a top five like talent in terms of receivers. But you know, it like you see it all the time. I think the Packers without Devontae Adams are like six and zero in the Lafleur era, which is just crazy to me. But that's you know, sometimes you like you said, like especially for a younger quarterback, you just key on a player. So um, I do think that the Browns are going to continue that this week. I think that they beat the Raiders at home. Yeah, that was a uh, a fun game that looked like it was going to be a loss, then a magical catch last minute from Donovan How Peoples good is Burrow, though? He's... Oh, Burrow's ridiculous. Burrow, like, it's, it's tough not to get <laughs> hyperbolic when you talk about Joe Burrow. Agreed. There is, I think there's a legitimate argument. And by the way, uh, Justin Herbert, every bit is pure. 
I mean, with how he's hey, playing he's it. He's a favorite for it, the year, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. But my, by the way, my guess right now through seven weeks is that we have co-rookies of the year this year, because mm-hmm. if you have two guys who are that good, they're probably going to share the award. Um, mm-hmm. Burrow, it, like, he, he might be a top five quarterback by the end of the season. He's yeah. so good. Wow. Oh man. That's a, that's a take, but he's I, so good. He's really good for sure. It's, it, it is ridiculous. And it's also ridiculous that a guy like that needed like this weird opportunity with LSU in order to showcase himself. I know. I just like Danny Vandenboom, man, like all he needed was a chance. Exactly. Like DVB. I wonder, I, yeah, I know, I know we're getting tight here, but I just think that like, if you like remove Zach Taylor from the equation, I, I just do wonder how much better that could get. And I'm not saying it's Taylor's fault, but God, their offensive line is such a disaster. I know it played okay. Um, against the Browns, honestly, probably their best of the of the season. But I think that with like a creative coach, like I watched Sean McVay last night with Jared Goff, and if you just could somehow find those, find a way for those two guys to get together, it would just be so so perfect for him. Well, and by the way, I I believe the Bengals suffered three injuries of starting offensive linemen during that game, and Miles had two sacks himself. I think they ended up with four, but they yeah. they they did they fought. Um, mm-hmm. All right. The Minnesota Vikings head to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers. Bavada has the Packers minus seven at home. Yeah, I mean, I I obviously like the Packers in a, a rematch of a game where they blew out the Vikings early in the season. The Vikings are starting to get their stuff together. They've had two weeks off or a week off, but, um, you know, the Daniil Hunter thing, the trading of Ngakwe, I mean, those are signs of a team that's looking to, not to say that they're not looking to compete, but I just don't see them winning a game on the road against a team that's got everything to play for every single week. So I'll, I'll take the Packers. Agreed. The New England Patriots head to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Bo Vada has the Bills minus four at home. Ooh, that is light to mm-hmm. me. I mean, I know the Bills have, have not looked as good the last three or four weeks, but to me, they're clearly better than the Patriots at this point and uh, could be a huge bounce back for Cam. But I also think it could be a huge bounce back for Josh Allen, your boy. So I'll take the Bills. Here we go. Game of the week. The New York Jets <laughs> head to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Anshu, oh. what do you think the lineup of Vada is? It's going to be the highest of the year. Yes. Well, in the NFL, is it yeah. 20. It is 19 and a half. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the answer to what. at what point would you bet the Jets? Like, what's the highest possible line? And uh, I, I still can't. I still no. can't bet the Jets. Yeah, Chiefs. I will take it. Yeah, for- 21. Oh, my God. So, say they get out to, like, their first three drives are out to a 17 nothing start, and they just, like, ice the rest of the game. That's not a cover. Just just imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers head to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Bavada has the Ravens minus three and a half at home. Feels like the game of the week to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm so impressed with the Steelers. It's hard to to pick against them. But I think the Ravens with a week off, a lot of people are going to be very down on them. I think that they're still better. Um, I, I mean, at least, man, are they? I, I don't know. Hmm. I think that they are. So I'll take Baltimore in this. The Tennessee Titans head to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Bavada has the Bengals plus six at home. Ooh. I, I mean, I just, all Joe Burrow does is cover. It seems mm-hmm. like, except for against the Ravens. And uh, yeah, I, I really think that this Bengals team is like just teetering on the edge of becoming like a pretty average team thanks to their great <laughs> quarterback. And 
I, I mean, what you're saying is ringing in my ears. I don't think that they should be a six-point dog at home against anybody. And much, you know, I don't think that the Titans are that upright on either. So I'll take Cincinnati. AJ Green started to wake up a little bit last week as well, shaking off the oh, yeah. injury. So that helps that offense. The Los Angeles Chargers, by the way, looks yeah. awesome too. Yeah, he does. And, you know, I, I said this during the game. It's crazy that you come into the NFL, you're playing with a guy who was the number one pick in the draft and sort of a generational quarterback prospect, and there's an argument to be made that your college quarterback was better. <laughs> there's definitely an argument, yeah. I, like, that's insane. That's, we should talk about that next week. Who would you rather have? You get offered straight up Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow. Yeah, well, that's, it is on the docket for next week, assuming either one of us remembers, which is very unlikely. Very the, well. Uh, did we do we uh, Chargers Broncos? Yeah, Chargers Broncos Broncos plus three at home. Oh man, I mean Drew Lock has looked pretty good for them. They look better with Drew Lock, I should say. He doesn't look that great himself, mm. but uh, yeah, the Chargers and Justin Herbert. There's another one. That's another. Put that one on the fake docket for next mm-hmm. week too, because I he has been amazing, and uh, I think this Chargers team is actually really good and very much playoff bound. So I will take them. You know what we'll do? Uh, we I know we got like we literally got to get going, but uh, we'll do our our guesses for the top five quarterbacks in the twenty twenty four season or something like that. Ooh, I love that! All right, sounds uh, good. QBs in twenty. Um, it's actually it's on my list here. Look at that! Yeah, yeah. production I'm, meeting right there. Might we might remember that if I don't delete it by accident? Anyway, Saints Bears <laughs> Bears at home. Bavada has the Bears plus four. Saints all the way. Screw the Bears. They're terrible. They're frauds, and we all saw it on Monday night. God bless Nick Foles. The 49ers head to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Pavada has the Seahawks plus, or pardon me, minus three at home. I love Seattle this week. I know that they didn't look great last week. They probably shouldn't have beaten the Vikings ahead of their bye, but I I mean, I think that they are going to come off the mat and look very good in this game. And finally, that good old 315 Monday night game. I think it's Monday night, right? Yeah, it's Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a weird start time. Uh, it makes me think there might be another game afterwards. It's just not listed right now, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we don't have time to figure it out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to New York to take on the New York Giants. Bavada has the Giants Ooh. plus 11 at home. Oh, my God. No respect. <laughs> I'll take the Giants because it looks like Godwin's out. Evans has looked like a shell of himself we're not going to get antonio brown for one more week so yeah i i think that uh, i think the giants have it in them to keep it within 10 points all right that's it for this week's episode of the underdog for anshu khan i'm chris Horwell. thanks for listening and we'll see you back here next time